Hello and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband, Jed. I hope you'll join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family, because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Row Real Estate and I have my friend Jessica Gravel visiting with me today and we are going to be talking about some pretty probably weighty topics. Jesus, sex in the city is our title, which I think is awesome. Jessica came up with that and I was like, I like it. Let's do it. So Jessica and I know each other from the Summit Church. We go there together. We did some marriage mentoring, engaged discovery weekends together through the marriage ministry at the Summit. And so that's how we have become friends and connected there. And so I've heard bits and pieces of your testimony from what you've shared um, in those settings. But today I want to dig a little deeper, have you share with everyone who's listening, just as a way to encourage those that may have had a similar background as you, but also to encourage those that um, may be younger and can learn from some of the decisions you made and really give encouragement. That's the whole point today is to encourage people with your story, because like you said before we got on, it's, it's a story of redemption. So it, it gives God the glory um, and you get to be a spokesperson for him. So that's what we're doing today is sharing that. So Jessica, share um, with us just a little bit about you, what what's life look like in your home, um, and then we'll jump in. Yeah, so I'm originally from North Carolina. Um, I grew up in Western North Carolina, went to NC State, and right after NC State, moved to New York City, where I was in the corporate world for about 14 years and met my husband there. I actually became a Christian there, crazy enough. And then we moved back um, about three years ago to this area and got plugged into the Summit Church, where my husband is now the campus pastor for um, Summit Chapel Hill. And I serve as the Women's Discipleship Coordinator there. And we have two little boys, Andrew and Caden. Andrew is five and Caden is two. And so, yeah, I feel like we are just really busy, but just really loving being here and just loving being part of the Summit Church. And I'm just super thankful for that. So that's awesome. So at this point, you're a mom, you're in ministry and have kind of a what we would say is a crazy testimony of coming to faith. So we want to hear more about what that looks like. And then I'm going to have lots of questions for you. But maybe take us back to this journey that brought you to faith. Once you got to New York, which is like of all places, you wouldn't expect to be finding Jesus. But tell us, what did that that journey to Christ look like? Yeah, I love that we're just we're going right in. I love that. So um, I'm actually really excited to to share these things. Though, like you said, there's hard parts of my story, but I'm living proof of a life that has truly been redeemed and rescued from sexual sin. And so one of the favorite verses in the Bible for me is Psalm 34:5, which says that those who look to Him are Radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. And so this has been a, a verse that has really brought me a lot of comfort um, and joy because there are things in my story that, you know, could really cause a lot of shame 
but Jesus, um, but because of Jesus, I'm totally free of that. And so kind of going all the way back, I was raised in a Christian home, but really understood Christianity to be a list of rules that I had to follow to please God and my parents. And God just felt like another person that I had to perform for instead of a pursuing loving God. And so as we all know, trying to please everyone is super exhausting. And so as a teenager, I turned away from God and really started seeking love and affirmation in physical relationships with men. And, you know, it was fun in the moment. I got this quick hit of feeling affirmed and desired. But the next morning I was flooded with feelings of shame, guilt and emptiness. And to quiet those feelings, instead of trying to kind of deal with the root issue, I just either turned to drinking or I would run out and try to find another guy um, to be with. And so this lifestyle really continued on all throughout college. And I came to the four years at, you know, came to the end of the four years at NC State and just knew that I needed a change. And so I decided to move far, far away to New York City and decided to kind of pursue all the things that the world told me would make me happy and was really excited to kind of leave this identity that I created for myself at NC State and just leave that behind and, and kind of make something of myself. And so no surprise, though, when I moved to New York City, things just got really crazy. Like every temptation that I had struggled with in college was ramped up to the highest degree in New York City. I mean, you can imagine, right? You're there with all these beautiful people wanting to, to get success, wanting to get money, wanting to get all of those things. And so it was just a really kind of toxic environment for what I struggled with already. And so I really just started doing things that I never thought I would do. Um, kind of in the name of fun. And so heavy drugs, excessive drinking, a really unhealthy relationship with my body, extremely unhealthy sexual relationships with men um, who did not care for me or respect me. And, you know, looking back, it's like I was giving my body away over and over again in hopes that maybe this one will stick around. You know, maybe this one will stay and give me that love and affirmation that I so desperately craved. And they just never did. And so I think on the outside, it looked as though I had it all. I was climbing the corporate ladder. I kind of had checked all the boxes of the things that would make me happy. But on the inside, I was numb. I was um, hardened. And I just was really living under this belief that my worth was directly tied to what men thought of me and whether or not I was worth sticking around for. And so this lifestyle actually went on for several years. Um, so you can imagine just kind of the wounds and the pain that I was carrying around. And it was it was through kind of hitting rock bottom um, and kind of getting to this, this point of being so unhappy and so unfulfilled that Jesus just started revealing himself to me in crazy, crazy ways. And um, I'd love to share all the, the ways that he did that. But for time's sake, he just showed up in a mighty way and just started revealing himself to me that he was what I was looking for all those years. And I ended up going to a church, which was a miracle in itself. I went to a church in downtown New York City, and it was there that I think I heard the gospel for the first time, that I actually had ears to hear. And my heart, it melted like wax. I mean, for someone who had had so much shame and had been just used and abused by men over and over again, the good news of Jesus and what he was offering me was healing balm to my soul. And so you can imagine the darkness that I was walking in. And he literally brought me out of the kingdom of darkness, just like it says in scripture and into the kingdom of light. Um, and from that day forward, he became my greatest treasure. And that was 12 years ago. Um, and a lot has happened since then. I met my husband, Eric, 
in New York City who has a very similar testimony to me, believe it or not. It's, we kind of joke that we have like the his and her testimonies. And so God has obviously radically redeemed his life as well. And we got married in 2013. And it still makes me laugh to just see God's creativity in our lives and our stories. I mean, who would have thought that I would have ended up marrying someone who was a pastor and that he would become a pastor based on his his past. And so it's just a beautiful testimony of God's redemption and his work um, beyond our, our wildest imaginations. And so since becoming a Christian, things have not been easy. Obviously, I've had to work through a lot of things in my past and have done that through Christian counseling, really hard conversations with Eric and pressing into things. Honestly, I'd much rather forget. But Jesus has just been so tender to me and has just really uncovered so many wounds in those those deep places of my heart so that he can heal them. And um, I once heard a Christian counselor say that Jesus will leave no stone unturned. Um, he's after every square inch of us. And I'm living proof of that. He's continuing to heal me and free me um, and complete the work that he began, you know, 12 years ago. So I'm so thankful for that. That's amazing. And I know that's not easy to share publicly. So thank you. Because I think that a lot of people that might have that same story would keep that hidden deep in a dark closet of their heart. Yeah. And when we do that, that's that's not a space that Jesus can access if we're hold, you know, hiding it from him or hiding it from one another. And so I'm thankful that you'd be willing to share that and encourage other women to do that, whether that's in a professional setting and counseling, because I'm 100% an advocate for that as well. But then also with a spouse, maybe that they haven't shared that with or a safe person that they could share that. So I would say you'd probably agree. It doesn't seem to be a super common conversation to talk about past or present sexual sin, that's pretty taboo, probably pretty private. So why do you think that is within the Christian community? You know, I think it's just because um, there's a lot of shame. I think there's just a lot of hidden secret shame that people are walking through that they they think that they're the only ones, you know, that have that are struggling with this. And I don't know if you um, saw the talk between JD and Rebecca McLaughlin a few weeks ago, but she was talking about, you know, these these taboo topics and how we think that they're outside the doors of the church, but they're actually inside the church. And there's a very real battles going on for men and women um, surrounding sexual sin and their sexual past inside the church. And we all know that if we're not talking about it, our hypersexualized culture is. I mean, it's in our face. It's everywhere. They're telling us how we should view sexuality and all of those issues, you know, just be free, do what you want. And so we have a space where we can come in and bring the truth of the gospel. And we must create a safe space for that. And you know, something that I'm really passionate about is that women must be included in this conversation. This is not a male issue. Sexual sin um, impacts all of us. And so I've just seen countless numbers of women in the church struggling with real sexual sin. That's in, that's not just promiscuity, too. That's masturbation. That's pornography. That's, you know, the whole gamut of those things. And at times they feel as though the church is not a safe space to talk about that. And so they're walking in solitude. They're walking in that shame. And I think us being able to provide a space and talk about it to bring these things to light, that's where freedom is to be had. And that's where we can enc encourage each other in the gospel and really point them towards Jesus who has the power to change change them and has you know the mercy and the forgiveness and the love that they're looking for. And so I think we just do a big injustice when we're not able to talk about these things, especially for women. I agree. And 
one resource I'm thinking of just as we're getting going is um, G4, which is a great ministry within the summit that you don't have to attend the summit to participate in, but that has different um, breakout groups of people who struggle with different life dominating sins. And this would fall into that category, male or female, and they have them divided by gender. So you could get into a group like this and that would be potentially really helpful. So reach out if you have questions about that. So how has this affected your marriage? I can only imagine coming into marriage with what we would say luggage of baggage, you know, <laughs> lots and lots of luggage that you've brought in that um, it's probably been hard. I mean, your husband has similar baggage that he's brought in, but how do you take these kind of tough, difficult backgrounds and then come in and you and I remember having this conversation even on our couch at our house of just like going from this is a shameful thing that is absolutely, you know, the untouchable sin thing that we should not be doing prior to marriage. And then all of a sudden you flip the switch, you're married, and now it's like, have at it. And with a shameful past that you and Eric share in, how does that come into the marriage together? How does that impact it? Yeah, I'm so glad we're talking about this. So it's really sweet because looking back, um, Eric and I started dating actually about a year after I became a Christian. And during that time, I was just, I was on cloud nine of just my love for Jesus. I had no lingering shame. I didn't feel condemnation about my past. I was just ready to share, you know, with the world, like I've been set free, I've been made new. And so when we started dating, I was very upfront with Eric about that. And um, he was upfront with me as well. You know, we didn't go into specifics, but we both knew that we had a pretty intense sexual past. And funny story about Eric and I, we are both very type A and we actually did pre premarital counseling. And so we started going to counseling while we were dating. Our counselor totally thought we were crazy, but we, we were ready. And so we went in and, you know, that was there. We that was uh, a place where we really kind of unpacked our past and pressed into the wounds and, you know, thought about how that might kind of pop up in the future. But if I'm honest, for the most part, I thought that like it was good and gone. You know, I thought I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. Like, We've talked about it. And so this probably isn't going to pop up down the road. And sure enough, about three months into our marriage, everything just kind of unearthed itself in a really powerful way, at least for what I had had walked through. And it was really, really hard. And I just think like in that moment, I was projecting on Eric my distrust of men. I was projecting on him my experiences of how men had hurt me and abused me and um, just thinking through sex as a way to control and manipulate as opposed to God's design. And so I really had to ask the spirit to help me relearn the beauty of sex. I mean, I think we both did. We had to really press in and, and pray that the Lord would just renew our minds and our hearts towards the view of sex. And there was this moment um, that I'll never forget. It was when we were going through just a really hard time with all of that. And we were in a counseling session and there was this moment where Eric and I just sat and cried. We wept over just the wounds and just the the consequences of our past sexual sin for both of us, not just me. And I'm sharing this not to bring about fear for those listening or fear for those who have a sexual past. But honestly, Ashley, I wish someone had told me that, that kind of like this there are real consequences to your sexual past. And, you know, in God's grace, sometimes things are just washed away in his grace. You don't even think of them. You don't remember them. But sometimes there are real things that pop up that you've got to deal with. And I just think we we sometimes do an injustice when we don't kind of counsel young women in that way and men that, hey, this is probably going to pop up later. 
Um, and God is sovereign over that. And he has worked it for Eric and I's good. I mean, I think it's drawn us closer to each other and most importantly, drawn us closer to God. Um, and we've been married for eight years and we still see remnants of it pop up. And so we're hopeful and thankful for God's goodness in that. But that is a very real issue. And growth does happen. And like I said, the Lord redeems it. But yeah, our, our past decisions do affect our future sometimes. And, and God is sovereign over that. And I think it's a good point to remember, like, it's not punishment, it's consequence right. of our choices. So it's not God mad at us and putting his wrath. He did that to Jesus. So he would be an unjust God if he was pouring all his wrath out on Jesus and then did it to us as well. And right. so that's the message of the gospel. And to remember that our choices do have consequences, whether we're under the blood of Christ or not, there's consequences for our decisions and sin. So keeping that in mind. And I think that's one of the reasons Jed and I are so passionate about doing the marriage ministry that we do for newly engaged couples who are doing mentoring with us before they get married of like these decisions you make now between <clears throat> engagement to marriage, they make a huge impact. I know you guys have committed to marriage and you're planning to say I do, but obeying God is to say no to all of those things, regardless of your past. Even if you feel like I've already you know, made a wrong choice. So why does it matter? It's like, that's the redemption and forgiveness that God offers us. But then again, I think Jed and I harp on that so much of just what you're stealing from one another when you, whether it's before the relationship or in your current one that you're planning to get married, that you're stealing and robbing from one another what God wants to give you in beautiful blessing once you've committed to them in marriage. So I, I think that's hard. I think, like you said, even in your testimony of like in the moment of the, those, those times you had a hit of ecstasy, we'll call it, or adrenaline, or maybe you've in a moment felt loved that quickly flourished away. And so you can, if we are relying on our feelings in the midst of those type of very dangerous places that our brain will attach to, it, it's going to cause for a lot of hurt and pain down the road. Like we really have to let truth dictate our decisions, not our feelings, because it's a really dangerous road. And I, I think you're, you know, alluding to that. So if you were talking with, and I, I know that you've had such a, a hand in young women, you know, doing ministry with young women, college age. So what would you say to someone in their twenties who are in college or graduated college, their life ahead of them, but maybe either living a similar life as you were or just about ready to plunge into it. What would you say looking back even to your 20 year old self now knowing what you know? Yeah, I love this question because I think my heart is just so soft towards these women and men, you know, in similar lifestyles. But I think I would just tenderly say that what they're looking for, what you're looking for can only be found in Jesus. And I feel like that sounds so simple, but we spend so much time looking for that perfect fulfillment, even even in like the perfect relationship or the perfect sex life or the perfect body or the perfect job, or maybe it's deeper things. Like you just want to be loved. You just want to be known or accepted. And all of those things, we're constantly spinning our wheels to try to find that fulfillment in a person or a thing. And that just doesn't exist outside of Jesus. And so what you're looking for can only be found in him. And Tim Keller um, talks about our souls being like two empty outstretched arms 
always waiting to embrace the next lover that we think is going to satisfy us or give us what we're looking for. And they never do. So what do we do? We spend our whole lives embracing all of these lovers when Jesus is the only lover who will never let you down. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never use you or hurt you. And he's offering you salvation and abundant life. And so I think so many times when I'm sitting across from a woman struggling with this, I I gently ask them, like, how is this lifestyle working for you? Because I think deep down in our hearts, like I was there and I know they're they're there if they're really honest with themselves. It's not working. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't fulfill. You're always left wanting. You always are looking for the next best thing. And so as someone who has been there and done that, you know, I would encourage them to explore Jesus or if you already know Jesus, return to Jesus. And I think when things start breaking down and you're able to really admit that, that is when Jesus becomes truly beautiful to you because you see that he is he's it. He's what you've been searching for your whole life. And so no man, no woman, no created thing can offer you what he gives. And I think something that was so beautiful for me is, as I said, like someone who had been rejected time and time again and was constantly left, you know, wanting to see that Jesus wants to be with us. He wants us. He wants a relationship with us. And I think that's one of the most beautiful and compelling things as we, you know, talk to these women in that he, he wants you. He wants to be with you. He desires to have a relationship with you and to put his love on you. I think what reminds me of when I, and I wouldn't recommend this, but Demi Lovato has a um, documentary out right now and it is horrifically hard to watch because it's a picture of what you just described of like running and chasing after every next thing, whether that's fame, fortune, love. And I, I mean, if you can watch it and handle it, I couldn't, I shouldn't have watched it. I'm, I'm still working through all the trauma from watching it. But if you can handle that, just that message of we are just trying to embrace all these different lovers. Like you said, our heart, our idol factories, all we do is are chasing the next thing that we think will satisfy. And it never does. And she, to a point of overdosing in her desire to find love and satisfaction, you know, to the brink of death, essentially. And that's what I think all of us will do left to our own vices. We'll search and search for what only Jesus can give us. I think you said that so profoundly. And I think watching her, I don't think she has a clue that that's what she's missing. Like that was the heartbreaking part of watching her and other very famous people just run and search for it. And I just, the whole time I was watching, I was like, no, Jesus is all like the gospel of realizing that you don't have to do anything. And everything you've already done doesn't disqualify you. You like all those messages um, just seem to be just completely missed um, in her story. But one thing I want to ask you is how have you seen the gospel specifically give you freedom from your past? Because I think as a woman, now as someone who's in Christian ministry, you could very easily feel tempted to allow the enemy to disqualify you yeah. and say, your past is too dark. Don't share it. And you can't be used. And that's what the enemy wants you to believe. So how do you feel like the gospel has given you the freedom to not let the enemy keep you back from being a voice and um, an encouragement for God? Yeah. And I love that we're sticking it to the enemy right now, even just talking about it. So, <laughs> um, I mean, there's so much I can share, but two things really come to mind. Um, first is just freedom. I've experienced so much freedom from shame and condemnation. We know Romans 8, it says there's therefore now no condemnation for those in Jesus. And that means it doesn't exist for me anymore. 
it does not exist for me anymore in Christ. And so I also love what Colossians 2 says, where it says that our record of debts has been nailed to the cross of Christ. And I just have this image um, of this long, long list, right, of all those shameful things and both past and present um, sins. And you can't see them anymore because they're covered in the blood. They have been dunked in the blood of Jesus, where even if I wanted to, I couldn't even read them because they're covered by the blood of Christ. And so living out of that truth um, that I've been washed clean, that I've been made new and that there is no more shame for me. And like I said, I, I think it's purely God's grace that I'm able to just boldly like rest in that. Cause I know sometimes the enemy comes in with those lies, but for some reason, God's hand has just been on when I've, I've been able to just be very steadfast and really taking God at his word for that. And then secondly, I've experienced so much freedom from performance. I mean, my whole life was spent performing for love, for acceptance, for value. And Jesus is really freeing me from that still, but has done so much work freeing me from that from my past. And Ephesians 1 um, talks about how before the foundation of the world, he chose us in Christ. And I wasn't there when the world was being formed. You weren't there when the world was being formed. We didn't exist before the foundation of the world. And what that means when you think through those implications is that he loved us before I could even perform for him. He loved me before I could do a single thing to lose his love or to earn his love. And it's just the reminder that his love doesn't hinge on me. And that is like, for someone who's a performer, that is, you know, the best news in the world. And Romans 8, you know, we read that passage all the time about how nothing can separate us from the love of Christ and nothing. But if, you know, the little line there, nothing in all creation, which includes me, even I can't separate myself from the love of Christ. Nothing can dislodge me from his love. And that is so freeing for me, especially just given my past and how I lived my life for so long. And of course, I'm not perfected in that. The Lord is still showing those things to me. But I would say, yeah, the freedom from shame and the freedom from performance have been huge for me. That's amazing. So I think just to wrap us up, my last question for you would be how as a mom now, and I know you have little ones, so this is a little while off, but I'm sure it's in your mind and on your mind and Eric's too. Of how do you guide your children to a different path? knowing the path that you have in your past. What what yeah. is your what are your thoughts for you and Eric on how to be different for your kids? Yeah. And so like you said, I mean this is something that Eric and I joyfully and expectantly pray for for our boys um, because of what we have both both walked through just like you and Jed like we're super passionate about raising up um, fellow brothers and sisters but more importantly raising up our two boys to truly see the beauty of God's design for sex and marriage. And you know, I've I feel like I've been given this charge since I have two boys to really redeem kind of the way that men had treated me through raising my boys and how to honor, love, cherish, respect women as image bearers and as God's daughters. And so right around when my second one was born, I was reading in Genesis about Joseph. And this has always stuck with me. And I pray this over my boys all the time that they would be like Joseph, where Joseph finds himself in that in the middle of temptation where Potiphar's wife is coming after him and he literally flees as fast as he can. He doesn't even grab his coat. And so that might seem like a funny prayer to pray, but I pray that for my boys that they would be so out of there. They wouldn't even stay to grab their coat, that they would flee temptation and flee towards Jesus to see that he is truly better and his design is better for sex and marriage and, and all of those things. And 
even more than that, you know, not just the, the sexual sin piece, but that we would raise godly men who love Jesus more than anything else in this world. I mean, there's a passage in Psalms that talks about there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. And that is my heart's cry for my boys and for myself and really for all of us that there would be nothing in this world that holds a candle to what Jesus is offering. And I think that's another powerful way that Eric and I want to instill that in our boys and that we can truly say humbly, but like we had everything. We had everything that the world said would make us happy. And we were miserable and we were chasing the wind. And I think that's just such a powerful testimony that I can't wait to share with my boys and um, just let them see living proof of Jesus is better and he's worth it. And all those things just lead you down paths that you don't want to go, but um, he is worth your life and your obedience. Thank you for sharing all that. I think it's so encouraging. I know to me and lots of other people listening. So thanks for being vulnerable and willing to open up and share. And hopefully this allows other people to say, hey, I want help or I want to reach out and get um, connected to a counselor. I want to share this with my spouse or read a book about Christianity and purity and how God redeems it. So I hope that this leads a lot of people on that path. So thank you for sharing, Jessica. And um, maybe like we talked about, we'll get Eric on here to share part of his testimony as well. Awesome. That'd be great. Thanks awesome. for having me. Thank you. See everyone next week. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.